Welcome to the Rizan Worship Songwriting Podcast, episode 53. I'm Joel Payne. I'm Sam Hargreaves. And this is a podcast to equip and inspire grassroots songwriters serving their local church. In this episode, we'll be dissecting the classic song, Come Now Is The Time, reflecting on an amazing live album recording day, reviewing May's personal songs challenge, and thinking about how to write songs for funerals. Sam, welcome to the June podcast. Hello, mate. How are you? I'm so tired. Are you exhausted? Yeah, I'm exhausted. Yeah, you deserve to be exhausted. You worked so hard on that live recording. <laughs> Thank you. Just any listeners who don't know what we're talking about, um, we um, do you think there are any listeners who don't know what we're talking about? Well, generally, yes. Yes. But on this <laughs> most particular issue. of the time. <laughs> well, to most of you who have never had any idea what we're talking about, we recorded a live worship album on Saturday which is a kind of collection of a kind of decades worth of writing. We picked out our very best songs. We got together a crack team to play and sing them. And uh, we gathered a congregation. We had a really fantastic day. Yeah, it was awesome. Hit me. So, well, firstly, I was a bit nervous coming up to it because I started to think, hang on, this is always the thing we've avoided doing because I have a sort of a bit of an aversion to people kind of promoting themselves more than the songs the whole video thing can seem a bit contrived. You know, you've written these brilliant articles about, you know, you'll never be like the video that you've <laughs> Yeah. You know, that you've watched and, yeah. and all of that. And so I started just to think, oh, is this a big mistake? I mean, not not to the point of, you know, saying, Joel, let's pull the plug, but just thinking I thought you went what- silent for a few days. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just thinking, what is this gonna be like? And the reality of it was, I mean, we worked incredibly hard like the couple of days leading up to it preparing and you'd worked you know before that obviously on all the the crowdfunding and then uh on you know working on the arrangements with matt weeks and mark edwards and and then you know we'd worked really hard but we got there on the day and what really struck me more than anything was you know we had a whole bunch of musicians we had about eight or nine different lead vocalists yeah um you know, people doing tech, people doing video. It could have been a really stressful thing. And what really struck me was there were no divas in that room. There was no, well, maybe me. I probably shouldn't exclude myself. But <laughs> apart from me, you know, there were no people going, well, I want more screen time, all right? Why are yeah. you asking me not to play my guitar on this? Or, you know, oh, I'm stressing about this and that. It was really chill. And I think that's, that is really... I mean, that's a testament to the people who we've got involved in yeah. this and to the kind of spirit of what that we're doing this with. And then all, the other thing that really struck me was the congregation really got into it. Yes. And I was worried that they would come along and think, well, this is fun for you guys recording. Yeah. But we're sort of bystanders. But I I don't... I, From the feedback I've got, I don't think they felt like that. I felt that they thought they were part of something. We kind of taught the songs in the morning and then the afternoon was more of a kind of flow of worship and we threw in a couple of things that were kind of... We hadn't prepared and stuff Mm. and... And I felt like they were into it and they were worshipping and it it was a really super positive thing. Well, just that thing, you, you're absolutely right. We've got this kind of tension between um, don't want to be all about personalities, YouTube, big arrangements, X, Y, Z. Yeah. So why did we do it this time? Because we did. And I, I think there are, to me, there are a few reasons. One is that I want us as a group... 
to write the songs that other people aren't writing yeah. and encourage the church to sing them. Yeah. But I think I'm also aware that somewhere along the line, you've got to kind of win the trust of the church to yeah. say, yeah, we'll we'll sing your songs. And if all you ever do is throw out them your kind of niche projects and your um, your idealistic ideas and things, I guess <laughs> if you're a complete genius, that might work. I don't think I don't know if we're complete geniuses. So yeah, I, I kind of felt like we we had to say that we're sort of doing this as a bit of a calling card, and that's why we didn't write a whole new album's worth of stuff. We actually mm. said let's pick the very best stuff we've got. Yeah, and we want to showcase it in a live worship situation for a whole load of people who will go, oh, I get that. Yeah, that's the yeah. stuff I that's well, I when I look for worship music, that's what I look for. Great, yeah. thank you. Yeah, and sort of get them on board so that. When we do our album of eco songs and we do our album of songs for funerals and we do our album of whatever else it's going to... I'm making some of these up, by the way. Um, <laughs> then people will say, yeah, I really like Resound Worship. I'll listen to what they think we should be singing. And I think that was part of it. Um, and also, perhaps, for me, undoing a little bit of my... You know how you sort of can't lead a thing without imposing your personality on it to some extent? Mm. And my kind of... my my reticence for the limelight the way that I, I like to start I mean I still managed it quite well on Saturday and that I managed to set the whole thing up and then I barely had to play or sing anything the whole day <laughs> and that was really quite good um but you know my inclination is always to kind of just hide away from a bit I like to be involved I like to be there yeah but I kind of don't like anyone to notice me in a funny sort of way and I, I've kind of felt a bit like that with Resound and at the same time kind of think well actually this this is it is about the songs but it is also about the culture and the people and the kind of the way that yeah. we do things and actually just letting people see who we are um, using the medium that so many people use which is YouTube live worship videos and saying just say just kind of saying look this is this is the world we inhabit we don't have to always um, be countercultural, but for me, little things like we did it in the daylight. I, I love that. We did it in ch in a church, <laughs> not a kind of a blacked out warehouse. And we did it yeah. in the daylight, not in the dark. And yeah. th those are little things where I think, okay, well, we've at least just kind of st there's something in there which is which is very resound. And the other thing is that they are, are I think, supremely congregationally singable songs. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and I think we saw, I just think people loved the songs. And you feel so... Um, well, I was just going to ask you if you felt, did you learn anything either positively or, oh, I would do it differently next time? But did you, did you come away going, OK, this is what I learned from doing that? I feel like it probably reinforced something that I guess I know, because uh, I harp on about it, that that songs are to be sung. Uh, the song, mm. worship songs come alive when a congregation sings them. Mm. And that for all the stuff we do in in trying to do nice demos, and even when we sort of slightly fake a congregation and other stuff, there is simply no comparison to that experience in the room with the song. And, and yeah. I felt that experience as we sang. I mean, I had tears in my running down my cheeks and mm. various points in the day because I'm just so struck by the power of the whole thing. I was also absolutely shattered, and I, you know, and, <laughs> uh, yeah, I would have cried at anything. Um, did you learn anything, Sam? I definitely thought, because we, as we said, we sort of prepped it in the morning, but then mm. when we came to the afternoon, we actually threw in a few things that we hadn't prepped mm. and I felt that that gave it a bit of a freshness and whether we use those bits very much in the actual final uh, things that we put out is not not really that important but I think for the congregation to have a few things that they're they're literally 
learning as they go along. Yeah. Um, that kept a freshness to it. And we also interwove bits of prayer and you, you'd plan someone to do a little talk and there were some Bible readings. And I, I felt, again, that, that sort of... Um, that was a bit within the spirit of resound, I think, to to not say well, this is just a concert where we're going to do song after song, but this is a this is a service where we're going to. And so I, I think if you know people are thinking about doing this sort of thing, uh, I would encourage them to think about that. Mm. Um, and yeah, just and just generally, I was so encouraged to work with those brilliant musicians and singers and. You know, and we we managed to involve a lot of us guys from the Resound. Yeah, that was stable, just fantastic, are, wasn't it? You know, aren't necessarily crack studio musicians, most of us, but um, no, I thought I thought that was really encouraging, and and mixing in the strings as well. We had a cellist and a and a violin player. That that just adds a whole other kind of class to it. it did, yeah, and the Steinway. Oh, oh the yeah, Steinway. <laughs> We had it tuned Steinway. It was we had it tuned, but then I think it was quite hot, or it's tuned to a different. I don't know. It was good though. Wicked. <laughs> <laughs> it was really great. Yeah, really fantastic. So the kind of schedule from now is um, we do lots of edits and whatnots, and we're, we're kind of aiming for a mid September release, about sort of the fourteenth September or something like that, seventeenth. Um, and we'll try and release a couple of songs in advance. You know, like a couple of singles, not to kind of hit the top forty, but just to keep a bit of social media traction and interest and stuff going so um we should be working away on that and i'm very excited about sharing it with you but i should also say just because i have the opportunity to do this out loud um just a massive thank you to everyone who contributed to our crowdfunding yeah yeah i mean it's just incredible generosity and support and encouragement to us um we we shot over the target um really marvelously and that's that actually meant that on the day I didn't have to kind of make a massive plug try and get loads more donations to fill fill gaps in the which, which felt really right on the day actually so that's really you know we're very blessed by God that it happened in that order I think um, yeah. yeah so wow huge huge thank you well that's what I've been up to Sam what have you been up to uh, well as people are listening to this we're a few days into the Thy Kingdom Come yeah. season mm-hmm. uh, so that's exciting you uh did a little thing about my song uh, "God Our Father," which I think fits really well with that season. Uh, but yep. also, sorry, free. I've... It's completely free to download until the end of Thy Kingdom Come, which is um, not as in until the Lord returns, but until <laughs> well, maybe we'll see how it goes until uh, Pentecost. Yeah, oh, well go and get done. it. You can get all the bits of it, including the video and stuff. That you can just you don't even have to sing it; just play it at some point as a reflective yeah. thing. So that's out there, but also um, the podcast that we did is out there. People are starting to look at that already, use it in their families. Uh, the maps that have gone to over 300,000 school children wow. and the, the journals. So, yeah, it's really it's really exciting, actually, to think about the potential of it. I'm genuinely praying that, you know, God will use this and families will get encouraged to pray and will get encouraged by answers to prayer and it will it will go beyond the event. So, yeah. That is, uh, that's pretty exciting. So really. fantastic. Sam, you're an amazingly productive person. I don't know how you do it. You always seem to have lots of things that you've done. And I feel like I always have one thing that I'm working <laughs> on. <laughs> I think it's just different characters, you know. I quite like I quite like uh, juggling things. Yeah, well, you're a good man. We've got a bit of correspondence. Um, we had an email. This is just an, I had a few emails, actually, this month from various people just saying, oh, I just came across your podcast and I've been listening to mm. it and it's, it's really blessing and helping me. Uh, so this is from John. 
said, just wanted to take a moment to encourage you all in the work you're doing. As a songwriter looking to grow in the graft of worship songwriting, I came across your podcast. In the last few weeks, I've downloaded and listened to several episodes. There have been many helpful thoughts along the way through your interviews, song dissections and workshops. So thank you for putting the time and effort into encouraging those who write songs for their churches. Yeah. That's nice. That's such a nice thing to hear, isn't it? Um, I also heard heard from... um, so a couple of guys in the States who are sort of doing similar kind of things, who are working with songwriters, either teaching mm. songwriting or um, running groups. And I, and I heard from Julianne from Village Hymns in South Florida. I don't know if you've come across Village Hymns, nope. Sam. They, um, it's basically a collection of uh, worship leaders in South Florida um, who have been gathering to write together and do these things create, called Create Evenings, where they, they write stuff. And sometimes it's very sort of themed and... Um, other times quite kind of free and they're developing as well into a sort of quite a sort of pastoral network for the leaders and and so on um and so really interesting to just i had a great skype conversation with julianne um oh, off great. the back of that just hearing about what they're doing um and um so exciting and encouraging to hear about another group doing similar kind of things to us with a, a similar kind of ethos um trying to encouraging uh encourage worship songwriting in their local churches um I had heard of them because they did a thing, a sort of songwriting challenge where they did a daily songwriting challenge, which I th- oh, think wow. was just for a week or maybe. And the idea was that you had to write a song every day and you just had to put it on social media somewhere with a hashtag um, just to connect in with what they're doing. And so that was a really sort of intensive um, and, um, yeah, challenging, exciting challenge. But I quite liked that. And I thought, well, maybe we should borrow borrow that idea one day, do a yeah. kind of... Uh, uh, that week-long um, songwriting challenge. Yeah, so really cool. Nice to hear from them. And then lots of lovely feedback from people from our, our recording day, which has just been really fantastic to hear. So thanks, everyone, for getting in touch. Let's dissect a classic. Dissect a classic. Our classic song for this month is Come Now Is The Time by Brian Dirksen. Do we have a little bit? Shall I give us a little bit? This is yeah, actually quite, I'm going to sound terrible singing this because it's one of these ones where you have to hold a long note and when I hold long <laughs> notes they sort of they wander. <laughs> Come Now is the time to worship Come Now is the time to give your heart Definitely a classic, a classic from the late 90s, 1998 this one came out, um, and it came from the very first Vineyard UK album, which was, I don't know, um, certainly in this country, was a real epoch-marking album of oh, yeah. live worship. I, I stuck it on before the um, f- before the, the recording, just to, to kind of refresh, and 
were just the like the first few seconds of the atmosphere start and my yeah. uh, it just there was something about that album when it came out I'd, I'd never heard anything like it yeah with its kind of vitality and life and sense from the first chord of god is here they've recorded god they <laughs> it's sort of he's on the it was amazing so um Brian Dirksen uh, tells the story of this that he um he came over to the UK in the late 90s, around 97 or something, I think. And he'd had a number of years after um, where he'd been trying to write and publish a, a musical called hmm. The Father's House, I think it was called, or The Father's Heart. And had been going on at this thing for years and had big investment from kind of big studio or something. And eventually the whole thing had come crashing down. And I think hmm. I'm right. So I, I think I remember this from the from interviewing him i think they lost a load of money like he mortgaged his house or something and oh, they just wow. they lost and he went into a real kind of funk if you like and um talked about how i got this from the from praise charts as well we'll stick this up on the um on the show notes on online hmm. um how you know he he was on the verge of losing his faith he just kind of lost confidence in god in everything it was what's the point wow. of all this stuff and then they got this call to go to come to the UK and work with the vineyard churches in the UK. And he sort of talked about it as they just thought, well, why not? Um, mm. You know, let's let's go and do this thing. So they so they moved over, and it was it was here in the UK that he that he wrote the song. And he talks about how he just had this kind of instant idea of "Come now is the time to worship. Come now is the time to give your heart." That was his kind of seed idea. And he says, as soon as I I started singing, I thought, this is you know, in a kind of what well, God's just given me something here. This is, mm. this has got legs. This I don't. I've got to keep going. And he said he just sang it and sang it, and then he ran upstairs and played it on the piano and wrote some things down. And then he took the kids to school and kept singing it and singing it. Um, and that, uh, ultimately, the eventual song um, took about a week to write. Which we should say, Brian also points out that most of these songs take months, but this one, mm. it sort of poured out. Um, and it became the theme song for this new move, this new wave of, of songwriting from the Vineyard Church in the UK, who in the late 90s, just a whole a succession of it, you know, really influential, fantastic songs um, and releasing various songwriters who we, you know, we still sing some of their songs today. Um, but he makes the interesting observation that he wrote this out of a place of real brokenness and weakness and really not yeah. thinking he was much of a guy, really. yeah. Um, and that what that meant was that when he wrote the words of the verses, they were this really interesting. If you read the praise charts um, thing uh, that where he talks about, it, he kind of says, had he been in a different place, he might have written, "Come now is the time to worship. Come now before your glorious God. Give him the praise and worship." He, but mm. actually he didn't. He sang, "Come just as you are. Come just mm. as you are," because that is what he needed to hear in coming. Um, to worship God. Do you, you must remember this one, Sam, when it came out. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, I mean, that we've talked about that album before, but hugely, hugely influential on me. And it just sounded so fresh, sounded like nothing else. And I've used this song hundreds of times. I mean, I think if we're going to jump into what's, what's good yeah, about it, it I, th I think the fact that it has a really clear sort of liturgical place in the yeah. service, you know, it's pretty obvious that you're going to put this first. And, you know, you still have conversations with people today say, oh, a gathering song. And the pretty much the song that people will say, oh, come now is the time. Yeah. Um, so I think that that is a real, a real positive about it, that it has that really obvious place to use it. And it fills a gap that not so many songs do. Um, and I, I think I also, 
I really like the fact that it it's kind of a mid-tempo song, I would say, rather than a fast song. Yeah. Uh, quite often, you kind of first song of the set, you you might kind of go in with a real high energy <laughs> thing. <but> actually, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's that kind of, you sit on that D chord, come, yeah. now and you suspend the fourth and you come yeah. back. And it's, sort of, it's got a real, I mean, there's a simplicity to it, but yeah. also a real kind of groundedness of, of not, I would always rush on and try and change chords much yeah. faster than this song does. But, you know, that I think that's, that's a huge positive. How about you? Uh, I've got a few things I picked up. The first is, I, I just, it's not the song, but... On the recording, just Catherine Scott's voice. It is oh, Catherine yeah. Scott, isn't it? When she yeah, sings, sure, when yeah. she sings the first sort of phrase, "Come now is the time to worship." Yeah, so rich in emotion and um, depth, and I, just one of the most amazing vocal performances. <laughs> honestly, I just think, and I and I know the song had already begun to travel by then, but yeah. I think that was one of those things that just gave absolutely captivated you. But yeah. Okay, here's a bunch of stuff. The first is just that first word, come, and then there's a pause. There's a kind mm. of pregnant expectation to it yeah, that yeah, something, yeah. come, what, what? You know, it, it's it's subtle, yeah. it's implicit, but yeah. it draws you with the the little pauses every time. They yeah. draw you, draw your expectation. Um, I love the way it uses that contrary motion. This is quite, quite a cool thing because um, but so, uh, when it goes, come, oh, let me get the guitar. Uh, it's gonna come now is the time to worship you've mentioned that suspension just hovering mm. just hovering come now is the time to give your heart so it, and the tune it goes G D uh, F sharp D and then the bass it goes E up to a G so as the mm. tune goes down the mm. bass goes up give your heart and what they do also do which is worth noting is they avoid going give your heart because if you did that just for the geeks amongst us you'd be doubling the third in the middle of it and actually just avoiding that middle give your heart yeah so you see the two things moving in opposite directions is a great little device um in in the way that you move harmony in a song um it has a the range i mean apart from one little bit where it hops up for the hook line in the chorus um it it sits in a really narrow range between a D and a B, uh, which makes it really singable for for loads of people. You know, everybody can, virtually everybody can sing that range. It's really, mm. and then it does. It kind of still great treasure remains for those. It just bounces off and comes back down, which again it gives it a slightly more extended. Let get, lets you have that more evocative moment where you where you expand by going a bit higher, but you just bounce off it and come back down. Um, do you want more? Yeah, keep going. Yeah, man. I've got some other like um, the one day every tongue, one day every knee, still the greatest trait. That um, it's it's a hooky repetition of rhythm on mm. on one note. So just saying on one note, really simple. But the, the thing that's hooky is the da 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 da. That three lines starting with the same thing, but where, where the hook is actually in the opening of the line, um, mm. I think it's really good. I mean, it's just structurally, it's got that thing where it keeps mm. repeating stuff. Um, I'm noticing that you're calling the one day bit the chorus and the come yeah, now the am, time bit I, the but verse. There's, there's no particular reason for that when you say Well, it is. Yeah. But then I'm, I'm not sure I've really thought about this before, but the come now is the time to worship. That's definitely the bit you return to. 
you know, you'd almost certainly end with that because it sort of ends back neatly on the chord one. Yeah. And it seems to be the sort of thematic heart of it. And the one day, in lyrically certainly, functions more like a verse of kind of unpacking stuff. But, of course, that's the high bit, isn't it? And that's the, the See, that's interesting. Bit. So I, the way I see it is that the Come Now is the Time to Worship is the call... And then when it gets to the one day, we turn and we, we've been turned to each other, and then we all yeah. suddenly collectively turn and face God, and we do the thing yeah. that we said we were gathering yeah. to do. But musically, yeah. it's got a circularity to it, hasn't it? Because when you get yeah. the choose you now, I've got to keep going round. Come. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a kind of sense of circularity which, which gives it. Well, it can be annoying sometimes when you're leading the song and it has that circularity because you've no <laughs> idea how to get out of it. Um, but but yeah, um, so many so many good things in it. Um, I, I I was I would say the the thing the thing I would draw out of that yeah. is I'm not sure that this song functions in the same kind of verse chorus way as a lot of songs do, and I think it's interesting that he's sort of broken out of that a bit. And sort of change some. I can imagine someone saying, well, "Why don't you change this so that the the second part resolves, and then that could be more of a you know what I mean?" So, yeah. But actually, it's like, no, no, this is this is going to function slightly differently to that. The way it doesn't resolve at the end of that, we'll talk about this line in a minute because it's quite controversial as well. But mm. the still the grace treasure remains for those who, who gladly choose you now. It's like it musically says, "Go on then." Are you gonna? Yeah. Are you gonna do yeah. that? Are you gonna yeah. do that thing? Rather than it's done, it, it yeah. poses a question just musically by not resolving and ending on that dominant, which is really it's got to go somewhere. So come on, let's go there then, shall we? Which yeah, is, yeah, uh, yeah. I don't know how deliberate some of these things are, but you can no. you can kind of read them in afterwards, can't you? You can see some of the things that make it work. It feels right, doesn't it? And so it's just we a, the, well, it's just, it's just two sections, isn't it? That's it. Yeah. I mean, I think well, there is on subsequent recordings, mm. there's been extra bits, haven't there? There's another verse that talks about uh, willingly we choose to surrender willingly our lives, willingly our knees will bow. Yeah. With all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, we gladly choose you now. Which I think I don't know whether that was tagged on afterwards after criticism or Brian just thought, oh, I'll just add that, or I'm I'm not really sure where that's come from. Um, I I heard that, but I don't use it because I just I'm not sure it needs it. I feel like you know that one of the things you know you can criticize this song in various ways. But one of the things you can say about this song is if you just use it as a kind of call to worship moment, you can do other things with other songs. You know, you can make other other commitments and other you know other um, points with other songs. I yeah. I don't feel it needs that extra bit. Yeah, cool. Let's talk about um, improvements. How would you improve it, Sam? Well, it's tricky, but I do think that there is that issue of... I I think there is an issue with people thinking that the time we sing at church is the time to worship. Yeah. Whereas actually, you know, the whole life worship thing would say, actually, all of our lives are worship. So to sort of have a call to worship that says, well, now is the time to worship. An hour ago wasn't, yesterday wasn't, but yeah. now is the time. And I think you can read that into that very strong, come, now is the time to worship. I suppose... Uh, you know, Brian might say, well, it's always now. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, it's always the time to worship. But I think that, I think it, and it'd be really difficult to know how to change that. Um, but I do think that that is a bit of an issue. Um, 
so yeah, I I don't know how to resolve it, but it's it's yeah, it's a it's a I, puzzle. I totally see that point. It connects a little bit with the the other thing. So that the other bit is that there, it does have a sort of controversial lyric to it, which is the mm. um, so chorus. One day every chorus, whatever you want to call it. One day every time <laughs> I'll confess you a god. One day every knee will bow. Still, the greatest treasure remains for those who gladly choose you now. And this has caused all sorts of um, consternation for people. Mm. And I think largely because um, sort of two reasons. One is that people see in a kind of universalism. Yeah. Um, and the other is that people see it kind of celebrating how some are going to get better rewards than others. Yeah. So I think those are the two. two. Now, for me, I've never seen either of those things in it. It seems to me obvious that, and I think I'm right in saying obvious that it means what Brian thought it meant, which was ultimately, like it says in Philippians 2, every knee is going to bow, every tongue is going to confess. Um, but- it feels like he wrote those two lines and then had a bit of a worry. You know, if I say every tongue will confess and every knee will bow, yeah. am I implying universalism? So I need to clarify it a bit. So I need to clarify it. But you also don't want to clarify it in such a way as to say, they're going to bow, but are they necessarily going to be saved? Because they're mm. ultimately doomed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So there's a kind of... Uh, it sort of hedges its bets slightly. Um, yes, yeah. I... Yeah, I've never really struggled with it. Do you struggle with it? Or no, I don't. But I do yeah. understand why the why people do, and I and I think it's really one of those things where you say, you know, on reflection, would you look back and say, "Gosh, lots of people have kind of struggled to grasp what I was getting at with those lyrics." Yeah, maybe I should have written them slightly differently, and that mm. would be that would be you know, with hindsight, you can look at that. It's interesting that probably to Brian and, I, and it kind of seems fun. I, I kind of find the greatest treasure idea a little bit because the problem with that is that it implies that there's a lesser treasure. Yeah. And I'm not sure yeah. what the lesser treasure is. I understand the idea of basically we're all going to bow before the Lord, the what, but gladly choosing him now is the way to do it. Not, yeah. not to wait till you haven't got any choice. I, I get yeah. that completely. But I suppose the greatest treasure, what it what it implies maybe is that... Um, yeah, that the, there's something else. So that would be the bit where I'd say, I just kind of want to pin him down and say, now, is there another way of putting this which doesn't leave some people worried about the song? Yeah, that's fair dues. How about musically? Would you change anything musically? No, not a lot. Not really. It's, it's super singable, isn't it? I mean, it is what it is. That's the thing as well. It's again, it's a yeah. bit dated now, um, but of course it is. Uh, do you know what I might do? Go on. I might just change the... Um, the repetition of the word come beginning of every line might break it up somewhere saying the third huh. line yeah um, you know if he did what you were, were suggesting and actually you had come just as you are to words so actually if that was the point of the song mm. come now's the time again the now's the time I think you can understand that in a couple of different ways um, come just as the time to give your heart I don't know what I'd do though but this is yeah it's not the most it's, beautiful yeah. word to keep on repeating and keep singing is it no but I suppose it becomes very secure for people to do to to, to repeat that yeah. five times. You know, it's a, it's very uh, you, you know what you're doing then. Yeah, yeah. Great, great stuff. I'm so glad actually that I just took the time to to sit and listen to it and and remember. Ah, oh, this yeah. is formative for me. Um, what? Yeah. yeah, how wonderful. Time for Brian's brain. Brian's brain is named after Brian, someone whose book we cribbed ideas from for a while. After I gave it to. <laughs> Sam as a birthday present. How not to write a hit song by Brian Ol- 
Brian D. Oliver? Brian Oliver. Yeah. Um, and we cribbed a few ideas from Brian. He had some really good ideas, actually, in there. Yeah. And then we felt like we should probably stop cribbing Brian's ideas before he found out and um, maybe look for some other bits of wisdom and stuff. So I'm going to drop one in here. Um, I've been reading Constance Cherry's The Music Architect, which is a Excellent. slightly more um, academic kind of book, but not inaccessible in any sense, actually. No. Um, and um, I, one thing I was struck in there was she has this thing that she calls the integrities. Um, and I think it's a really helpful as a little check for a songwriter. So I'm just going to quickly share them. And they are... Well, Constance talks about the, the canon of songs. She talks about this as kind of across your the whole group of songs that your church sings, that, that across the whole canon you ought to have this kind of integrity, which is that it ought to be, I guess, strong in these various ways and, mm. and have the full breadth and so on. But it's a great question to ask about any song. And the, the five integrities are this. Theological integrity, lyrical, musical, liturgical and pastoral. So essentially what theology does it communicate Mm. How well does it say it? So that's the kind mm. of the poetic art. Yeah. The musical integrity, which is the musical art of it. Liturgical, what role does it serve in the context yeah. of worship? And pastoral, how does it speak into or impact the whole of life, uh, mm. essentially? And those are five brilliant questions to ask about any song that you write. Yeah, that is really good, isn't it? And I think often if a, if a song has weaknesses, it's maybe because it's focused on one or two of those mm. and then it's forgotten you know, it may be theologically rich, but actually pastorally, it's not very pastorally helpful. Or it may be musically amazing, but actually liturgically, where is this going to fit? Because it covers far too many themes or that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. Good Brilliant. Idea. Thanks, Constance. Cheers. In May, we set you the challenge of writing a personal song of worship. That might sound like a very simple challenge. Well, I suppose it was in, in some respects, but just write the song that you want to sing to God and then share it with the group and ask for some feedback so you can hear what they have to say when you think about how you might then turn it into a more corporate song. Um, how? Did, let's just kind of reflect on it a bit. How did it go for you, Sam? Um, I'm reasonably happy with what I've got. Um, I'd be interested to see what you think. I do think that overall people did slightly struggle with this because I think all of us, what we do is we... Uh, we inwardly edit as we write. Yeah. Uh, so we don't necessarily write a wholeheartedly personal song to begin with because we're already turning it into something singable or into something kind of pastorally, liturgically uh, palatable. And mm. there was one song and it was a sort of lamentish song and somebody said, well, this is really good, but it gets to a very victorious place very quickly of and I won't you know I, I won't allow this to get me down and I'll be victorious and I, I'm I'm not remembering the words exactly but um and I I commented and I'm not sure the person fed back but there's a thing that um Florence Welch from Florence and, and the Machine talked about how she would write lyrics and say nobody's ever going to see these lyrics so I don't know if she had a recent song uh, that was in the charts and stuff where she talked about her her um it's, it's, the song was called Hunger, and she talked about her own issues with eating disorders. Right. And she said, I wrote that w with this idea that no one would ever see it. Mm. That a, a, certain, a certain years old, she stopped eating or something. And she said, I'm going to write it. No one's ever going to see it. And then she sort of dared to put it into the song. Now, obviously, that's not really going to work with, with worship songs as such. But I do think that's an interesting idea to say, why don't I write a lyric that I don't think anyone's going ever going to see and then jump off from there? Uh but my feeling is that people have struggled with that. And I, I'd be 
would admit that I have. I wouldn't be very good at that either. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, I find it incredibly difficult, but I mean, partly because I just my focus was so much elsewhere <laughs> this last month. Um, yeah, and because it's a real challenge for me when you say say what you want to say, Joel, because I just don't think that way so much <laughs> of the time. I just don't have much to say unless I'm actually doing something or doing something for someone i'm definitely not that artist who needs self-expression to and if i try and look inside to find out what i've got to say i find there's not very much there it kind of worries me a bit and that frustrates my wife quite often what are you thinking have you seen, have you seen that brilliant thing um there's a little you've got to just google um the uh husband ruins night away by say by saying what he was thinking <laughs> I'm not going to tell you what it is. I'll put a link to it. It's just very funny. Um, but I'm a bit like that. Um, so I found it really hard. I thought, well, what the songs I want to sing, by and large, are the songs I write, and they're not about me. You know, they yeah. don't come from. And if I want to say something to God, I can't imagine why I'd want to put it in a song. <laughs> <laughs> I find it really, really hard. So I just wrote something incredibly short this time. <laughs> Um, so we had be- lots of the um, lots of the group of songwriters um, chipped in and wrote stuff. It's really good. So I I picked out one from from the um, writing fraternity. No, not fraternity. Sorority. No, what should we call them? Paternity. Mater- <laughs> I picked out one from the twelve song challenges. This is by Rebecca, and uh, let's have a listen. Choosing to wait in this place. Not rushing to hurry away Here I will rest, yes I'll stay Listening for your voice Speak words of truth to my soul Wash me
Nice one. Yeah, that's really good, isn't it? Isn't that a strong song? Yeah. Melodically. I guess you can tell that it comes from a personal place, although I think it is immediately usable almost as is. Yeah. Uh, in a sort of response type setting. Um, people have talked about, you know, could you change at least the bridge to we? That feels to me like the kind of thing that you might do ad lib. Yeah. Uh, rather than necessarily write that into the song. Because I think that actually, the if we, you know, talk liturgically again, really you're using this in a place where it's a kind of personal response, a kind of personal waiting moment of each individual listening to God. So I'm not sure that I would rush to make it corporate. Yeah, and I agree. I agree. Um, Rebecca talks a bit about where it sort of comes from. She and her husband lead a church. They sort of lead a church they never expected to lead. Um, and hmm. they, and so she says, whenever people ask what they can pray for us, it always comes down to the same thing. We want to know God's voice speaking in all the situations we face, pastoral issues, to parenting, to making decisions about where to lead the church. Um, and so that, that's sort of where this comes from is a, is a kind of, I'm not, I'm not going to crack. I'm not just going to press on and busy. I'm going to, I'm choosing. It says I'm mm. choosing to wait in this place, not rushing to hurry away. Here I yeah. was. Yes, I'll stay listening for your voice. I really like that. I, my only thought, I mean, people have, have made various comments is I feel like in the bridge, uh, she goes, I wait on you. I'll wait here with you. And then she goes to the minor six. Holy Spirit and you, I will rest. I'm not sure quite exactly how that goes. But I feel like as, in terms of waiting and resting, if it could move less in yeah. the bridge, so that musically you're painting this sense of rest. I will wait on you. I will wait here with you. I will rest in you, my... Maybe go to six there, but not do the big jumps, yeah, yeah. not do the big yeah. changes. So it's really got that sense of space and rest. doesn't need a Maybe... melodic hook in there, does it? No, no. no. Feels like the month for not being too critical of anybody's songs, doesn't it? Because they're so personal. <laughs> <laughs> it's so personal, yeah, yeah. yeah. Great stuff. Cool. Sam, do you want to play us what you came up with? Okay, so I'm going to play you a bit of a version of, of my, what I initially wrote, and then I've actually got a rewritten hey, version. Hey, super, super. Okay. So I'm, tr I'm trying to follow this as strictly as I can. Well done. Okay. I am tired of striving. I am tired of stress. I am tired of falling for my selfishness. I am dull to wonder, I am lost in lies Jesus, how I need your love to lift my eyes Lift my eyes, open my heart Fill my mind for a breath My imagination stir my soul Make your kingdom my true goal And there's the second verse. Yep. Anyway, 
So that was my sort of thing. Yep. And then various people have suggested various things about yep. making it corporate and yeah. stuff. So this is where I'm at with the kind of corporate version. When I'm tired of striving, tangled up in stress, senseless from the struggles with my selfishness. If I'm dull to wonder, lost among the lies, Jesus, how I need your love to lift my eyes. And then, at the moment, I don't really have a change of the chorus really. Was it all exactly the same chords in the verse, or did you change no, the ones at the so end? No, so I sort of simplified the chords yeah. in the end of the verse. Yeah, it's better. So basically, uh, is it better? Yeah. So basically, I've I've got. I'm just going to talk in capo language. Yeah, so capo three G. Yeah. And the weird main weird thing is that I start on a D minor rather than a D major, yeah. and the melody. And I tried to make that a little bit more obvious in the second version by coming down from the G. So, uh, uh, when I'm tired of strap yeah, every yeah, time and repeat that straight rather than my sort of singer-songwritery version varied it each time. Um, so, when I'm tired of striving, tangled up in stress. And then at the end, rather than going really weird and doing like C minor and then B flat and then F, yeah. I just went... Uh, I'm told to wander, lost among the lies, which is just like G, yeah. first inversion. Yeah. And then I do a little odd chord of F there. Jesus, how I need your love to live. Well, it's much better because uh, that, that's what I would have said about the initial thing is that yeah. it's quite, it's sort of creative and unusual, but there's no kind of, when you get to the very, I wasn't even sure the last line really worked musically, just yeah, in terms yeah. of following Possibly. the progression to take you to the right. But whereas what you've done is gone a little bit more conventional, just so the the unusual D minor, um, or oh, sorry, you're in different key, aren't you? Three. The unusual yeah. um, F minor is it then sort of takes you home to somewhere slightly more secure, makes sense yeah. of it all. I, f I felt that was more, yeah, I felt that was more solid. Um, I like the way that you. Do, 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 do. Do, 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 do. I, I wonder if that's almost is what I would do. I'd keep it more simple there, rather than. Do, do. Do, do. Yeah. yeah, but because you've got this slightly odd thing going on with the chords, the fewer kind of movements and reverse directions and things you've got in the melody probably yeah. the, the better for keeping it really secure i might be wrong but that's no what, that's I a think, little bit I kind of got me I, I was imagining that in terms of setting that up you could do a little intro with that melody being played yeah you know, so that that is then established in people's heads um it's lovely so it's I, beautiful beautiful oh, cool. little melody it's really singable because it doesn't do anything um, outlandish. You've got to be quite confident with the backing, haven't you? You just got to go. This is the chords. This is you yeah. Know, don't be tentative. Yeah. Just hit them, and then it's um, really strong. Um, what do you think about this shift from? Because it's very I. I am tired. Ah, da, 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 and then I've gone for when I'm tired. Yeah. So it's it's still personal. 
but it's not kind of... Well, I've had... This is... So it's interesting. So I looked at, at that and I thought, OK, the obvious thing in here is when it initially said, I am tired of... I'm, and that's you just speaking from your heart. Yeah. It's say, yeah. OK, well, how can I draw other people... How can I include other people in this? And one obvious way is to not speak in terms of I am right now like this... Yeah, but to express it in a more kind of universal of this is common to human experience kind of, of idea. And so the when I'm, yeah, and that's good. I like the way that what it, what you've done is you you've dropped some of the I am's and you've you've used a few more interesting verbs. Tangled up in stress, senseless from the struggle. I mean that some of that's I really like that actually. Senseless from the struggles and my selfishness. That's, if I'm dull to wonder, lost among the lies. Yeah, brilliant. Um, I was trying to think about it what I would do and I was trying to sort of find a third way which would be um, to not speak in uh, present tense about myself but actually speak about Jesus so I was I don't know if this works hmm. at all but I just jotted it down on Go the on. end of the thing which was um, see me in my striving oh, hear yeah. me in my stress that's great Catch me when I'm falling for myself. Yeah. So that actually became about the active verbs became God acting. Mm. And then all of us potentially could sing it in a kind of, yeah, of course I have striving and stress and I have dullness and selfishness and these things. But the point is that the constant action is God, not the constant thing is my experience. Maybe. So that's it. Uh, Yeah, that's my kind of. I don't think that's I did a great really, job with it, but yeah. No, but that's a, that's a smart idea of, yeah, that that's really clever. Thanks. How about your song? Okay, yeah, here's my song. And um, as I said, I don't have a lot to say. <laughs> this has been kind of my, my main prayer of the last little while. Lord, I need your help. I can't do this on my own. Now fall into your hands, Lord. I need your help. I can't do this on my own. Let my plans now fall into your hands. <laughs> That's all I got. <laughs> that is it. Oh, bless you, Joe. You've been working really hard oh, this month, thanks. haven't you? Um, yeah. The thing is, when I pray, a lot of the time, I don't have a lot of words in it. I, yeah. So a lot of the time, I just... God, I don't... I don't spend ages explaining to you what you need to do. <laughs> I just... I can't do this, really. So I need your help. Will you help? I'm constantly praying, Lord, will you help me? I'm yeah. Just, I'm a bit yeah. stuck. I need some help. Um, I'm aware it's only a, it's a very short song, um, but anyway, that's just somewhere to start from. <laughs> it's somewhere to start from. You don't know what to say now, do you? I mean, no. I I I feel like it's you know it's a sentiment that would be good, you know, for people to be able to say. Uh, I mean, if if you were talking about it being a beginning of a song, I think it's probably a good start of a song. I think just as a as a little kind of thing on its own it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't repeat very pleasingly <laughs> so i think you know 
I think Use what, it as a jumping off point. Thank you. I think what I've done is um, I've I keep, I've said to people lots of times that if you don't have any time, just write something, anything, yeah. and then you and yeah. tick it and say I did it. I did this month. Um, well done. So there we are. Now can I go back to writing songs for other people? <laughs> <laughs> Please. <laughs> Should we do a June challenge? June challenge. Sam, over to you. Okay, so a few months ago, someone emailed me out of the blue and they said, we've had uh, someone connected to our church who's not a Christian, who has died. Uh, the church is involved in the funeral, but they don't want any Christian... Well, they they want music, but we don't want it to be overly triumphalistic or to have implications that a non-Christian family would would struggle with and it really struck me that I couldn't think of anything basically and the only the only book that I could pick up uh, that I knew there was some good material in was the Iona community did this book called When Grief is Raw Songs mm. for Times of Sorrow and Bereavement which I've used a few times uh, mm. in various funerals and things um, but it really struck me that I couldn't think of very much to suggest um, and then slightly more recently there was a um, the the cooperative uh, funeral care put out they do they do a top 10 lists of the the music that's used in funerals it was a it was a bit of a news story a few weeks ago and i got sent um got an email from three counties radio which is our local bbc radio station yeah saying would i would i be interested in talking about this so i looked into it a little bit for this interview and it turns out that there's no hymns in the top 10 of this uh, songs used in funerals by the cop. Now, I'm not entirely sure whether this is just funerals taken by the co-op, which I assume would be more yeah, to do with crematoriums. So I wonder whether this is slightly skewed by by that, and if you took into account church funerals, that there would be more hymns. Anyway, the top song is My Way by Frank Sinatra. The second song is Andrea Botticelli and Sarah Brightman singing Time to Say Goodbye. Mm. Uh, then you've got Over the Rainbow, Somewhere Over the Rainbow, Eva Cassidy. Yeah. Bette Midler's The Wind Beneath My Wings. Robbie Williams' Angels is number five. Wow. And uh, making its first time into the top ten is an Ed Sheeran song called Supermarket Flowers. And basically, the the, the thing that the, the, the press picked up on was that hymns had dropped out of the top ten. Yeah. Um, so it really got me thinking about, and I, I basically said to this interviewer, you know, for me as a songwriter and people, you know, involved. They're in not singing on, these congregationally, though, are they? No, I think they're playing them right, through okay. the PA. Yeah. So, uh, and again, that that does raise some questions that I don't think that the the the, the poll really. Um, but it's really interesting, and 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 one of the things that struck me was the Ed Sheeran song. I don't know if you, I'd not heard the song, but I went and listened to it. The interesting thing is, it's actually a song about his mum right. dying. All oh, right, yeah. Um, and it talks about his family and his brother, and it's got some very specific examples about pouring the old ginger beer down the sink. And Dad always told me, "Don't cry when you're down." It's very personal about yeah. his family. And the chorus is, "So I'll sing Hallelujah. You were an angel in the shape of my mum." When I fell down, you were there holding me up. Spread your wings as you go. And when God takes you back, we'll say, hallelujah, you're home. And I said to this interviewer, people are not losing the religious impulse if they're choosing this song. No. Because it's an incredibly religious song. I mean, we might not entirely agree with the, with the theology, but he's talking about somebody going to heaven and saying, hallelujah, you're home in heaven. So 
I felt like, you know, we've got an opportunity as songwriters to write stuff that actually people would want to choose That's in a really funeral. That's really interesting. Um, and you can think of a very... Actually, some of the, you know, 10,000 Reasons, you know, is one of the the biggest songs in terms of Christian yep. worship. And it's got a whole verse that talks about and on that day when my strength is failing. Yeah. Um, so I think that, that, again, is an opportunity for us. Um, That's... But I think... Uh, just uh, your point on, yeah. about... Um, I think about the other songs in the list. You might say Robbie Williams' "Angels." Yeah, that's because it sings about. It, I mean, it's a really popular song, um, mm. but it's about. It's not really about angels, but nonetheless, <laughs> it's angel. And I can imagine "You Raise Me Up" is probably in there, and that's got a really. Yeah. Um, it's number eight. It's, it's effectively a very. It's more or less a Christian song. It's a sort of. It's people are reaching for the same things. They just don't know anything else. Yeah. So that's what they. But at that point, what you do is you reach for stuff about heaven, yeah, in some way, yeah, and exactly. and about hope, don't you? You exactly. want something that gives yeah. you hope in the midst of yeah. your grief. Yeah, I mean, interestingly, number ten in the list is Monty Python's "Always Look on the Bright Side of Life." So, <laughs> I think I think some of these uh, choices are people just giving themselves a laugh while yeah. they're, uh, you know, struggling with this bereavement. But. Uh, I, for me, I thought there's there's probably three big challenges with writing okay. these kind of songs. The first is the challenge of familiarity and singability. Because actually, what you don't want at a funeral is a brand new song that nobody's ever heard before. Mm. You know, people are choosing these songs because they're very familiar to them. And similarly, you know, even for a Christian to choose them, you're not going to choose a random song that you've never heard before. You're going to choose a song that is familiar to you. Um, yeah. And John Whitfley, in his book, Worship So You Can Understand, it's got a whole uh, chapter, really amazing chapter, about how common worship forms us for our encounter with death, um, which is really worth reading. And one of the sections in that, he talks about, actually, we need weekly practices. And I wonder whether one of the things we ought to be thinking about as we're writing these songs is, is this just a song for a funeral? Or is it a song that we can actually incorporate into our regular worship but actually you you would appropriately pull it out for a funeral because it was so familiar to you. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's one thing. Or maybe the other approach to this is to say, well, I'm going to write a song to a very well-known tune. You know, I'm going to write it to a hymn tune or something that is, you know, public domain that actually people could go, oh, I like these lyrics and we could sing it to, you mm. know, this this very well-known tune. Uh, that might be another... another... So there's sort of... Two slightly different things. One is, we're thinking really about a Christian funeral, are we? I, I just kind of narrow this down. Because how, how do you write something that somebody who's not a Christian is going to want to play, stroke, sing at a funeral? Well, this is my second yeah, challenge. Gone. My second challenge is a challenge essentially of theology. And you've already touched today when we're talking about Come Now is the Time to Worship on the issue of universalism. And I do think that that is quite... You know, so universalism basically says that everyone will be saved at the end of time and it yeah. will take that view that the sort of every knee will bow means that at some point everyone will be, you know, overwhelmed by the love of God and will... We'll all um, worship him forever. Yeah, We'll all worship him yeah, forever. In a happy way. And yeah. I, su- I suppose um, a lot of people would struggle with that and say that that's not kind of what Orthodox Christianity is taught. Uh, and so they wouldn't necessarily want to go down that line. But... The thing is, when you use a Christian song for a non-Christian funeral, you can kind of give something of that impression. Mm. 
of course, at the same time, you don't want an incredibly exclusive song that says, unless you've, you know, made the decision for Christ and got washed in the blood of the Lamb and had been baptized and been confirmed that you're probably going to go to hell. Da, da, yeah. da, da. You know, that's not going to work either. So, but I don't necessarily think we have to go down either of those lines. Yeah. I mean, does it, it doesn't necessarily have to be about heaven. It doesn't necessarily have to be about eternal destiny. You know, there are other... Uh, bits of the Bible that talk about things like grief, that yeah. talk about things like the hope of the, the resurrection. There's all sorts of bits of theology or themes in the Bible that we could pick up on. Um, you know, you think about Abide With Me as an absolutely classic, you know, funeral for hymns. And that's talking about, you know, it's using the metaphor of the evening coming on and the, you know, the, the darkness is deepening. Lord, yeah. be with me through the darkness. Um, so... I guess I, I I didn't particularly want to pigeonhole what people write about, but these themes of death and either songs that could be used at a funeral or mm. could could be kind of appropriately both used in a normal service, but also uh, maybe in a funeral service. That was, you know, and I, I think that's just one of the challenges as well is to think about what is my themes here? What is my theology? Um, maybe you, you know, intentionally say, well, you know, this is not going to be a song that, a non-christian would necessarily pick up but I, that's part of the challenge i think or yeah. a possible part of it the reality is that at any funeral you will tend to have a mix even at a very yeah christian funeral you have a bunch of people there who are grieving yeah and it's really tough isn't it sort of not wanting to give false hope but also wanting to include people in you know not wanting to um exclude yeah them during that service because they can't sing any of the things that you're you're seeing it's somehow finding a way that your your words and your melody, I suppose, bring people together in some sense without being um, dishonest. Yeah, Man, yeah, exactly. Tricky. Yeah, exactly. Well, and and it leads us on to my third challenge, which is the challenge of emotions. Um, my experience, and I suspect this is a lot of people's at least if you're living in the UK, is that we're not very good with the emotions of death. Uh, we're not very good at being honest. I know, you know, people in my family who got to the end of their spouse's funeral and said, oh, I didn't cry. I managed not to cry. I managed, you know, I was, I was so good. I kept the tears in. Yeah. And yet a few months down the line, a few years down the line, they're saying, oh, I didn't get over that, that passing of that, you know, person mm. because they and part of me is thinking well maybe if you let it out in the funeral maybe you'd be better off so um i'll probably put my song that i've been working on for a while on the on the forum um which has kind of spurred some of these thoughts uh which is my my song is um called there's a time for tears mm. uh and it's basically about saying this is an appropriate time to grieve mm. Um, so my, my verse goes, there's a time for tears, time for pain, time to hurt while the grief remains. There's a time when peace seems so far away, yet still God holds us on that day. So for me, I'm approaching the whole subject of grief and mourning, um, which, again, I think is right through the Bible, but we don't necessarily talk about in songs. Um, so, yeah, and I just think that's that's another thing that people are going to have to wrestle with. You obviously don't want a hugely depressing song, you know, in, in most cases. Yeah. Um, you know, very few people for a funeral would choose, you know, some of the more depressing Leonard Cohen or Nine yeah. Inch Nails or something that's, you know, really going to bring everyone down. So you, you want it to have an, a sense of honesty, 
a sense of openness, but not to be, you know, depressing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I hear that. That's my that's my challenges. Well, I don't know what your thoughts are. Well, a few few reflections. Um, one is that I think quite often part of our experience of um, it's true of weddings as well. Actually, is you, whilst you're in there, you also slightly imagine your own wedding or imagine your own mm. funeral or it, mm. it takes you so your ex, your actual participation in the kind that kind of thing is not necessarily just about the person who has died but it actually becomes about you and your mortality yeah and so i guess that's often a place that people are in as well as for some it, uh, agonizing grief i mean so that, yeah. you know there is yeah is that as well um and so you could, in terms of the things that you sing, which are which are good to address. One is to address the, the the kind of the the questions of the eternal destiny of the person who's died. Now that's a kind of a, that's a thing that's in the air. And we talked about how that's a tricky thing to do, depending on the context. Mm. Um, and in that case, you have to, I, I guess, the the way of being authentic is to not make universal claims about us, but make on um make eternal claims about god if you like yeah yeah, he, yeah, yeah. it's his enduring faithfulness salvation yeah. and so which are yeah. the things so actually in some respects to sing about god and his saving action yeah is better potentially in there mm. but it, it's, it's difficult it's nuanced um the other thing i was just struck me is how much of the the Bible talks about those who are left behind mm. because so much in the Old Testament is about God's care for the widow and the orphan. And those are people mm. where people have died, basically. Yeah. Yeah, where your yeah. husband has died, your parents have died. You know, being being left behind when your family, have, when the most significant people in your lives have died, actually there's a sense in which the, God has a special care. And I know part of that is a socioeconomic thing, but it is also... Yeah, God is always this kind of comforter in grief and so on in the in in the Old Testament, isn't he? Yeah. Um, yeah. And then I was just thinking about the thing about you don't just want to write a really depressing song. I mean, it's really interesting this idea of of lament, and it's you can you, you come up against this question with lament all the time. Anyway, is it kind of do I just write something that's all downer, or do I write something that's got lots of upper in it as well? Mm, mm. Um, the but. One way of of thinking about it is to is to have I'm thinking about here more the sort of the Christians singing something from their familiar repertoire, and mm. um, Ten Thousand Reasons is a great example because you can love that song with not thinking about death at all yeah, in terms of the yeah, way yeah. that you sing, even if you didn't have the last verse. Um, yeah, Amazing Grace is a song that you can love because it speaks about our experience of of yeah. God's grace, but it has that floating stanza at the end that we. The, you know, mm. which takes us into heaven. Um, there is a redeemer which speaks of what God has done, what God has done, what God will do, what, and then there is glory. And, and so there's a kind of yeah. there's just like there's the one verse, mm. but the stuff that precedes it is so strong in terms of describing God's character. And so it, it, apart from that specific situation, that when you come to sing it, um, you can kind of engage with the whole the whole song and that would be a wonderful I, I think often you find those are songs which joy which aren't a song about death they're a mm. song about god but they unflinchingly deal with the subject of death and eternity mm. and, and so on we had a a lady at our recording who was the 
the wife of a, a friend and former colleague of ours, um, mm. Sam, who died last year quite unexpectedly, and and she's been trying to you know going through processing her grief. She's a bit of a writer and theologian and thinker and so on, and so she's been processing that stuff and sent us um, something where where she was reflecting on the experience of being in our um, in our recording day as part of that gathered worship from her place of grief and she particularly I mean she'd already told me before actually she'd really appreciated your song Sam um the the one for the Easter Saturday the kind of mm. in between waiting a resurrection yet to dawn that kind of sense of waiting and how important that was and then she she particularly reflected on how the lyrics that stood out to her in the songs we were singing that there were some of them that were about um Christ's final victory um mm. an eternity that's waiting and and so on these these kind of things which have a such a great resonance they weren't necessarily the the primary thing in the song but they're yeah. the thing which then you know grabbing hold of for somebody who's mourning or someone who's going through grief and then especially um mark bradford's song um oh faithful lord which we recorded on assassin i'm so i'm so excited about sharing the, the version that we've done of it we never yeah. really felt like the version we put on the site first time around quite captured it but it's there you can mm. you can go and check mm. it out um where mark wrote it from Basically, um, in his sort of, I don't know, mid-30s, Mark's dad died. Mm. You know, it's young to lose a dad. And he found that he wanted to worship, but all the, none of the songs seemed to have the words that he needed to say. And he thought, what can I sing um, that will be that will be honest? What can, what can I sing from this place of grief? And so he set about yeah. writing. Um, what is extraordinary about this song, I mean, I just think it's a, I think it's an absolute masterpiece lyrically and it has a really mm. beautiful melody as well is that you if you don't know the story Mark's story you don't come at this song and think oh that's very self you know it's it's not all about him at all mm-hmm. it's incredibly god focused but it it's all about hope in well if you come at it without knowing the story you can just embrace the message of hope that's in it yeah. and in some ways not even really think about the darkness that that's there described within it but if you come at it from a place of darkness you can find the it engages with your diff, your struggle and your um, yeah. and your weakness and so on and I, I i would really encourage people to go look at that as a song which is it's full of light but it's full of darkness as well Mm. And you could sing it any time. You could sing it any week in church, yeah. and it would be entirely appropriate for everyone to sing because it's yeah. not a funeral song. But then, when you sing it at a funeral, mm. the lyrics will sort of explode with life and resonance yeah. that you might not necessarily have at that time. Um, and then, just finally, in a bit more correspondence um, with her, she just raised the question of what can children sing, and I thought. Yeah, that's a great angle for this question. So I'm just going to throw that in the mix as well. It might be you think, what can I write that is going to enable children to express, process, uh, rationalise, make sense of what is going on uh, in a funeral? Yeah. So I want to say then that there's, you know, with this with this background of, of a funeral uh, in mind, yep. I've got sort of basically two parts of this challenge. Either... Have a go at writing a song that you could literally sing at a funeral, mm. uh, and that's its kind of primary purpose: is to talk, you know, issues of, uh, you know, bereavement or death or hope of resurrection, what, whatever it is. But and you're very pointedly thinking, and I think this is, you know, aimed at a funeral. And as you do so, you might want to think about, you know, how am I going to make it either singable enough or to a hymn tune or 
Mm. How am I going to make this or, or you know super simple so that it's just quickly picked up? Uh, or write us a fairly standard worship song that could be involved in you know weekly weekly you know um, circulation of your of your worship songs in your church, but actually is preparing people and would then you know as you said about mark's song could then be picked up and used in a funeral and have a new kind of resonance because of that is that fair that sounds fantastic that's your challenge people thanks sam well that's the end of our podcast for this month um do get in touch with your comments questions and queries you can contact us on podcast at resoundworship.org twitter at resoundworship facebook.com forward slash resoundworship.org and all that remains is to play our featured song for this month and i think we ought to play mark's song oh yeah. faithful lord have we done it before doesn't matter let's do it My solid ground When storms are raging All around Your mighty cross Your precious blood Will keep me safe Within the flood Nothing in all This world I know Can separate me From your
things for that 